Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love having you on the program, Barbara Comstock. She is a show favorite. She is a personal favorite, uh, the former congresswoman, uh, former Justice Department official. Uh, really, she knows so much about what's going on in the political landscape, both from a historical perspective, because she's been watching this for a long time, but also today. And in fact, I know, and you'll, you'll gather from her voice. I chatted with her for just a moment. Uh, she's been doing a lot of talking about this stuff to a lot of media uh, because she's a great, uh, reliable go-to source in all this. Uh, Barbara, welcome back to the program interesting night, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of talk about red wave, and yet in the end, I think uh, I, I look at Lindsey Graham, who said, well, not exactly a wave. Uh, he seemed very disappointed, and, and a lot of these numbers, when I look at it, kind of make me scratch, scratch my head as to uh, what, were, what was behind the results. No, exactly, no. Uh, great to be with you to discuss this. This is the kind of night that, you know, just all the expectations uh, went out the window. You know, I think it really kind of came down to, um, in a lot of the cases, you nominate um, lousy candidates, you lose uh, elections, you should win. And I think, you know, we had a situation where, you know, we have record inflation, the economy was the top issue, we have crime issues, we have border issues. Certainly the issue set, when you look at the polls, all favored Republicans, you looked at a lot of the polls, you looked at a lot of the prognosticators. I work with the University of Virginia. The crystal ball prognosticators said they thought we would win up to 24 Republican seats. Not going to get anywhere near that, maybe half if we're lucky. Um, thought we would win just one Senate, maybe more accurate there, but we'll be lucky if we gain one seat in the Senate. Uh, so, um, you know, really defied a lot of the expectations um, because I think, you know, people look, you, people actually look at this in a more serious way maybe than people give them credit for. That, you know, like if you're going into a restaurant and you're saying, I'm really hungry and this is what I want, and they bring you something you really don't like, you're kind of like, hey, I'm not coming back to that restaurant. <laughs> That's not, I told you I right. wanted this and some other slop that wasn't good. And you've got some really weird people in that restaurant that don't seem <laughs> to know food or whatever they're doing I don't like. So I think, you know, this, it was kind of people want normal. And I think this is, you know, I think the only red wave I was saying earlier today, it's a, it's a few people saying this too, is probably the catch up on the walls at Mar-a-Lago. This is really, you know, as we've talked about. <laughs> I like that. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I mean, Trump had, you know, he had to pick Dr. Oz. Already the reports are he's now trying to blame Melania or Sean Hannity for that pick. You know, it's never his fault, right? Um, never. You know, when you pick. Somebody who's never run for a race before really doesn't know how to do this, you know, whole, you know, political thing, you know, in a statewide race, they aren't very good. But then even you look at a J.D. Vance, who did win in a very safe Republican state, Ohio, he underperformed Mike DeWine, an experienced conservative governor, by 20 points. Mike, Mike DeWine won by 26 points. J.D. Vance only won by six, you know, but won by six. And that was spending 
exponentially more on him. So J.D. Vance was a very expensive date. <laughs> uh, you know, Mike DeWine, experienced, policy guy, smart, nice guy that people liked, cheap date. You know, so what do you want to do? Nominate a good candidate? You know, and, and you had a situation, say, in Pennsylvania where, you know, Pat Toomey, who just got sick of dealing with the Trump world and Trump was nasty to him. So he says, you know what, I'm going to retire. I don't need this, you know, and then instead we end up with Oz. You know, you have yeah, this and we had well, Toomey was example of like like the kind of guy you want in the U.S. Senate. I mean, he was so balanced, level-headed, reasonable. If he could cross the aisle to get things done, he would do that. And uh, yeah, you know, I there's a part of me that just looks at this group of people he endorsed. He being Trump is like he wanted people that were inferior to him to make him feel better. I, I'm well, serious. I'm not saying on a cognitive or, you know, level, but a subconsciously, he's trying to create a really ridiculous group to make him look less ridiculous. Well, and he just wanted people who were loyal to him. He never looked at the skill set and in any other way because he's never understood even how this works. You know, he said silly things last week where he said, you know, Oh, well, they should impeach Mitch McConnell. Like, he doesn't even know the Constitution. You don't impeach a senator. A senator is elected, sir. You don't understand the process here. So, you know, this is someone who still, after all this time, has never understood the basics of our government, um, is unfit for office, as we know. So here's, you know, we've gone through this so many times. The guy who, you know, if you wake up today and you don't realize that the guy who lost you, the you know, who never won the popular vote, either time, lost you the House, lost you the Senate, lost you the White House, lost you those two Georgia seats. We're going to go into another runoff. Very well could lose that again, thanks to Donald Trump giving us a extremely flawed candidate in Herschel Walker, um, and then uh, loses us a lot of these House seats. I tell you, here in Virginia, you know, the two candidates who were, you know, involved sort of in the in the kind of Trump world, election-denying kind of operation, those are the two out of the three candidates who lost. You know, we had three competitive races, only one of them won. You know, one of the a state candidate, state senator, who was on the more serious, experienced side, not the ones who kind of came in and, you know, just kind of tried to run the Trump table and say, you know, I'll be loyal to Trump. And you had that, you know, up in New Hampshire, you know, you had a, 25-year-old girl who had worked in Trump's press office who just, you know, was up there talking about the stolen election and whatever silly thing she had to say to get his endorsement. You know, she she lost big time. And, you know, people put a lot of money. And that's, that's the thing. There was a lot of money spent on these races on ridiculous people who never should have been nominated when you could have had serious candidates who would have been a lot cheaper to get elected in what was a great year. You know, here you have a great year where yeah. you just get seasoned who, you know, a state senator, a, a state rep, a local, you know, act, you know, a local chamber person, a normal, experienced, serious person who knows their community, who's involved, doesn't have any embarrassing background that hasn't been vetted because they've been active in their community and they haven't just you know, moved in, you know, to run in that community, then, you know, then they can run and they aren't, you don't have to spend all this extra millions and millions of dollars like people have spent on Herschel Walker, who's a millionaire himself, 
but we're all supposed to prop him up because, oh, you had to have all these abortion stories that you didn't, you know, maybe that's why you shouldn't <laughs> run, but, or said you're yeah, pro-life. Yeah, yeah. All, almost all that money, uh, all, almost all that money was spent on mitigating, not promoting. It was all spent right. on but, mitigating horrible but, records, horrible backgrounds by candidates who had no business running. And I think what's interesting is that you know what we were seeing were were people saying, uh, "Oh, I'm a, I'm pro Hillary," and then they would quietly vote for trust Trump because they distrust the media. You know, we saw that in 2016 in particular. I think we're beginning to see a different phenomenon where people have peers that are all about Trump, and people still talk all about Trump in a, in a certain sector of the political climate, but privately they have misgivings, you know, and as, as uh, the uh, Charlie Rich said in his song, no one knows what goes on behind closed doors. No one goes on, knows what goes on behind curtains when they're like looking at, at someone like Herschel Walker and going, really? Yeah, and you know, and listen, he, he you know, he wouldn't be a good senator anyway. He doesn't have the oh skill set a senator. So it's it's sad that that's where we're at. Um, but I think it's a wake up call. I mean, even last, I watch, you know, I watched Fox last night to see how, you know, if there were any going to be any serious people actually saying that this was a problem, and it was refreshing to see a few of them to say, you know, you can't spin this other any other way than. It's a wake-up call that you got to move past Trump, that he has taken you down a bad path, and there's, you can't spin this. There's no excuse for it. These candidates were, you know, you had a bunch of flawed candidates that never should have been there. And to blow this kind of year, you can't, you know, you can't blame the press. You can't blame anybody else. You know, you had more money than the Democrats. You know, everyone thought you were going to win. You were telling everyone you were going to win 30, 40 seats. And now you're just, you know, barely dragging in the trash. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see how Kevin McCarthy. You knew, you know him. I, I I don't know him. I was I was gone from D.C. Uh, by the time uh, he came in. I, as you know, I worked in in, in uh, uh, for the senate for a senator and worked on the Hill a lot uh, for groups that used to be re- reputable, <laughs> like heritage. Uh, but, but anyway. Uh, I, uh, you know, there's a part of me, you know, they're saying he's been quietly trying to dump some of these crazies, you know, in primaries, for example, and he played a role in that, and somehow the left were wagging their finger at him, you know, in a shame on you sort of way, but, you know, the reality is, is that I think he wants a record of accomplishment, I think, and historically, he was serious until Trump came along, you know, is this an opportunity for him to rethink about what he's been doing? And how he's done it? Yeah, well, I mean, it is going to be more challenging for him. So it is going to be, you know, a wake-up call for all of them because you can't, you know, he does have, unfortunately, it's going to be a shrunken majority, but he's going to have more like Marjorie Greens in there because some of the people who did win are more in that category because they're coming from, you know, you had red retirements. So in these red-red districts, some of these more extreme people that were endorsed by Trump did get in because they were in such red districts, but they, they are people who want to cause trouble and who want to, who want to shut down the government and things that will be, you know, obviously problematic 
and not help. So I, I think you will see him, you know, I, I think he, I think he'll realize, and I think there's others, you know, you've seen Patrick McHenry, who will be the chair of the financial services committee, stand up and talk about how, you know, we're going to need to be responsible, um, you know, to the business community, to Wall Street, to the banking community to say, we're not going to be shutting down the government. We're not going to be saying we can't raise the debt limit. We've got to do sound, you know, serious financial things here while promoting our free market principles. So I think you'll, and he's got a lot of serious members on that committee. I think you'll see Kathy McMorris-Rogers as a chair of energy and commerce, you know, do the same and also, you know, be getting back to that, you know, sensible, you know, center-right type of member who um, is working on, you know, getting people back to work, getting, you know, our, you know, economic engines going, you know, working with the businesses that are growing our economy and kind of freeing them up. So I do think you'll, um, I, I think this will be an opportunity for those members really to kind of use the legislative chops that they do have, because these new members who come in, they don't know how to pass bills or do anything. So I think these others will just have to step up and say, you know, we have to get some things done or we are going to lose the trust of the people who have given us this majority small that it is. So, and, and I think yeah. if, if we do get that one vote majority in the Senate, I think you do have, um, you know, with Mitch McConnell and John Thune, and John Cornyn and kind of the serious, you know, leadership, you know, people like Joni Ernst and Susan Collins and the serious members. Mitt Romney, you know, in the Senate, you have people who will, um, who can be good partners on that effort. So there's an opportunity here to turn what was a very bad night into a, okay, now, okay, we're moving past this. And then, then on the other side, of, then on the presidential side of things, there needs to be more people jumping in and saying, we didn't sign up for a dictatorship and having one guy tell us we have to support him and we don't get to choose. You know, we do get to choose. Yeah. And we break Yeah, and you know, and I'm no DeSantis fan. <laughs> you know that. In some ways, he's maybe a little Trump-like. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was impressed to see a lot of Republicans come out critical of Trump's name-calling of DeSantis. But I think we're kind of tired of that. Let's talk about yeah, substance, substantive things, yeah. policy, po you know, and not talk about name-calling. We're not in middle school, and frankly, a lot of that is more like elementary school. When do we outgrow that? And I think we may be getting to a point where we're outgrowing it. And, and although I, too, was surprised by the results, if it does mean we turn a page, I can only be delighted because the more Trump is in the rearview mirror, the better the prospects are for the Republican Party and really the country uh, for years to come. Yeah, no, and I, I think, um, and I, I think uh, DeSantis himself probably was very smart. He never asked for the endorsement of Trump. Trump ended up saying vote for him, but he never asked, and he resents that yep. he didn't ask. But I, that was a good separation for him. You know, as we know, I mean, he's probably not my favorite cup of tea on some different things, but I think he did show some independence there, and I think probably if he stands up and tries to be his own guy instead of a mini Trump, he would he'll be doing much better, and I think in Florida there was an overperformance there because of some, you know, a lot of uh, you know efforts to register voters, issues that they you know the issues that they've worked on, and you know dealing with the you know natural disaster crises they had there, 
and some you know, good things they've done. I think they've got a lot of school board people elected yesterday. So, you know, I think he has a record there that he can do things on his own. And I think there's plenty of other people who can do that also that I hope will step up and will have that discussion with other serious, you know, governors and people out there who I I think the American people need to hear from. And I yes, think yes. what American people don't want this chaos. They don't want this person who's always focused on himself. And they said, hello, what, this, this was a, hey, if you don't pay attention to the voters and your constituents, you know, we're, we're not signing up for reality TV. We're not the Kardashians, you know. We're not trying to be on your reality <laughs> show. We want, we, we're living in reality, <laughs> and we want somebody yeah. who's responding to ours. <laughs> Yeah, and again, not a fan. There's so many people I would put ahead of DeSantis in that office, but the simple being attacked by Trump with the name calling, and he said nothing. That was so refreshing. He didn't respond at all. That was so refreshing. Be a grown-up and let let Trump look ridiculous with that name calling, whereas, you know, Trump Trump can't stand even decide us. There's the slightest slant of possible criticism, you know, without going open, open uh, with both barrels. And that's just a sign of weakness. That's not strength. And uh, it's only weak people that call that strength. And so, uh, so props to DeSantis. I hope we choose someone. Uh, and I say we. I, I loathe both parties most of the time. But I hope they choose someone other than him. But to me, I, I am seeing kind of an unshackling of the Republican Party when it comes to Trump, and it is way overdue. Uh, we're running out of time. Final thoughts from you. A great conversation, by the way. I'm so proud of you with your voice, how robust you are. Well, I think, you know, fast, fast in your seatbelts. I think it's going to be a wild uh, ride over uh, the next two years, and it's going to be unexpected. I mean, I think, look, Lauren Boebert, uh, unexpectedly is, you know, fighting for her seat and may um, lose, which is, I think is a great outcome too. talk about unserious people. So I think there might, and, but then you also had Sean Patrick Maloney who got you know, the democratic chair, uh, you know, get, you know, in charge of getting Democrats elected who got a little bit too cutesy and trying to do different things. So I think annoyed his own caucus. So I think it's, it's kind of a sober, kind of let's get serious about getting back to basics and let's be normal people and a normal party again on both sides and uh, get down to business and and then we can talk again. So I think um, there's going to be some interesting dynamics going on and uh, sort of predictions go out the window. So I think it's like uh, you you just got to, you know, kind of plan for the unexpected these days. Yeah, yeah, hold on to your head, right? And next month, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure when you're back on. Uh, we always like to get you on every couple of weeks, but I know your schedule is crazy. But soon we need to have you on just to talk about some of those chairmen. That was a very interesting chair people uh, for the new Congress in both the House and the Senate. That was very interesting what you brought up, and that would be good for the listener to be familiar with. We'll do that. We'll do that as they're actually formally put in, into uh, place. Great. Be happy to. 
Yeah, always love talking to you. Barbara Comstock, she's a favorite. And uh, we'll uh, have a link, of course, at priceofbusiness.com. And that will lead you to more information to find out more about her and her work. We mainly talk a lot about technology and policy. We'll do some of that as well as, as we continue in the uh, weeks to come. But uh, she's also one of my favorites to talk to you about uh, politics as well. Thanks, Barbara. I appreciate you. And, and protect your voice there. We, we need it. <laughs> Okay, great. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. I'm Kevin Price. More for you after this.